Okay, so here we are back at this conversation series. If you've never come to uh, conversations, the way that this works is each week we'll have a different topic, and this kind of little uh, voice bubble has all the topics we'll be covering uh, this over the next couple months. And then each week I'll bring in a panel of <clears throat> folks who will kind of come and share their thoughts, perspectives, insights on a particular topic. Then once they kind of have a few minutes of sharing their kind of initial thoughts, then we'll turn it over to you all to ask questions, to make your own comments, and then we'll kind of have this conversation together. Um, I'll say on the front end, because I, I often don't say this, but I try to say it at least sometimes, is one of the big goals of this series is for us not to put a bow on anything. Like, we're not going to talk about free speech and the cancel culture and like it be wrapped up in the time that we have here. That's not a lot of time. If anything, it's to help us have better conversations in the environments that we find ourselves. And so you may not change your mind on how you feel about any of these topics in the time that you sit in this room, but my hope is that you will leave being able to put a name and a face to a particular perspective or way of thinking about something that is not just on the internet, uh, because I think that we as Christians are often trying to speak into and be a part of the conversation that's happening in our culture, and so it would do us well to have this conversation first or often in our communities together to figure out what would be the best way to interact and talk about such things. All right, there you go. So today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of set up our Things some people don't know exactly what we're talking about, but then after that, I'll we'll run through introductions, and then we'll jump right into it. So, today's topic is free speech and the cancel culture. Now, some people, everybody here knows what free speech is. Not, not many folks maybe understand when I say the cancel culture. Some of you do, some of you don't. So, what I mean by the cancel culture is recently a lot in in our culture we have this thing of you said a thing, you did a thing in the past or in the present and now that we know about the thing you said or did you are now canceled like we stopped listening to your music we stopped buying your books we stopped going to your movies you are you are essentially exiled canceled from society and culture as we as we see it uh, and we've seen many 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 examples that are happening even as we speak of people who are being canceled. Um, and I think that, of course, is, is attached to free speech. And that's something that we don't nearly talk enough about, but we loosely talk about it and say, well, I have free speech, but then we don't really know what we mean when we say what we mean by free speech. And I have, a, you know, in, my, in the past several years, been more interested in, like, what you are defining what you mean because we often use similar words, but mean completely different things. So I need to know what you mean when you say that word um, before we can even have a conversation about what comes next. I mean, especially considering that I've been doing some of my college stuff regarding criminal justice. Right. That kind of stuff, and the, we've had to learn about the Constitution and all that, you know, fun stuff. Yeah. And it's, 
the core team sometimes don't know what the whole free speech, you know, if it's free speech, you know, do you have free speech if you're going to go, you know, spot up racial, you know, yeah. hate speech. Yeah. You know, that's a big... That's a big thing. That's a big tricky thing as far as, you know, the courts are concerned and that kind of stuff. So it's, I don't think even the courts know necessarily what, right. you know, free speech is, at least from what I've learned in the classes that I've taken. Right. So that's where we're going to go today. We'll do all that kind of stuff. All right. So let's hear from our panel. Let's uh, introduce yourselves, like maybe what you do in the city, if you um, if you're a part of a faith community, what the faith community looks like, where you're at, and then once we do that, we'll we'll start right here, come back, and then we'll start with your opening thoughts, and then we'll end with yours, right? Okay. I'm Wes. Um, I am in a faith community at West End Community Church, really close to Nashville State. Um, I'm married, I have two awesome little girls, um, and I work in healthcare, just up the street. Um, yeah. Cool. Happy to be here. I think we're going to solve it in 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, we're so, absolutely we will. <laughs> We're going to tie it up. We will, we'll, we're very good at this. Yeah, you were wrong. We're going to solve it. <laughs> um, I'm Brian Schroeder. Um, I'm uh, sojourning right now, figuring out what mm -hmm. a faith community would look like for me. And uh, I uh, do a lot of different stuff. I do some graphic design stuff. I do some ride share driving on the weekends. I do some uh, talking like this and writing. And I'm a theology student. And yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm Micah Redding. Uh, I'm a, a software developer and a transhumanist. And uh, I. Uh, I run the Christian Transhumanist Podcast and uh, host the Christian Transhumanist Conference and uh, a number of things like that. And um, so, um, yeah, so I, I venture into a lot of weird discussions where uh, most people are afraid to tread uh, for good reason. And, um, yeah, uh, so I'm... I'm uh, I've been here for a, a long time, uh, but recently I've been traveling and doing a lot of family stuff, so I'm kind of here and there, uh, but yeah. Cool. Let's start us off. Oh yeah, so statement. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to have a strong stance on this. Um, maybe these guys can, can offer that and, and help me shape my, my opinion about this. But I think context-wise, um, what I think is going on is that you know, in our parents and grandparents, and maybe depending on how old you are, great grandparents' time, there was um, uh, there were basically you know no more than three uh, television channels. There were uh, you know a few radio stations, this kind of thing, and um, this was a very uh, unified culture, right? Um, whatever anybody was talking about on the TV, everybody was talking about. And if you saw a story on the TV, you knew it was important because there were only three channels. Somebody decided that this was the thing we had to focus on as a society, right? There wasn't uh, somebody over here with this kind of, you know, right-wing opinion and left-wing opinion and all this. Everybody, like, was watching the same thing and trying to get a balanced and, and uh, unbiased viewpoint that we could all agree on. And maybe we would argue over the interpretation of that, but we understood and agreed on what was significant enough for us all to be talking about. 
And the thing is that now that has completely broken down um, with the internet, with, with this explosion of different you know, media channels, and um, we haven't adapted. We haven't figured out how to adjust to this new reality. And so my parents, friends, people I grew up with, um, you know, thinking they were really, had deep character and so forth, you know, like, they'll see, like, stuff online that's clearly a hoax. And they're like, well, here it is. Like, you know, this is the truth. And um, they are, they, they haven't learned to understand that, well, just because it's online doesn't mean it's true. It certainly doesn't mean it's the most important thing that's out there. Um, but they, don't, they haven't adapted to this new reality we live in. And they don't have any norms around how to dis- decide what's, tr- what's more important. And what we don't realize a lot of times is that we are shaping what we see. Uh, and this is the difference between watching the three channels back in the day and watching stuff on the internet now. YouTube is going to show you the things that it thinks you are going to react to. And if you watch to the end of a video, it's going to show you another video that it thinks is going to get you interested and involved and excited. And this is how, you know, people, um, it, it's kind of like, you know, doing to others as you would have them doing to you. You get back what you're putting out, what you're clicking on, what you're reacting to, what your rage, tweeting, whatever, sh- determines what you see. And so what you see on the internet is not some kind of objective thing of like what everybody's responding to. It's what you are doing that the internet is trying to give you. And so people don't have context for that either. And so I think in these, these kinds of situations where we've all now, we're in control of what we see, we're, we're basically all creating our own channels, we're our own press agents, we're our own like micro-celebrities, um, we have all these new things that used to be only the, uh, the domain of celebrities and governments and all that, and now we're having to deal with it. And this is uh, one of those cases where we're trying to develop a norm for how to do that. Um, I think there's, I mean, I, I value free speech a lot, and I think that that includes people saying, I don't like this person or I don't like this thing. Being able to say, um, I no longer want to see this person on my TV. I no longer want to, you know, I want to cancel this person. I think that includes freedom of speech, or freedom of speech includes that. Um, I do think that there, I also think that um, there has been cancel culture as long as there has been culture. So like people were burned at the stake for all kinds of things, and that was kind of a way to cancel them, I would say. <laughs> that is, a, that is, a, that is a really, hard cancel. Hard, hard cancel. cancel. <laughs> you, are, yep. you are really canceled, and we do not want to hear from you anymore. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, I think that kind of, one, I think pretending this is a new problem, I think technology creates, you know, certain ways that this is a new problem, but I think it's been a, a if you want to call it a problem, a problem the whole time. Um, where we are reacting to one another. And um, I think too, I think, I think it was kind of good to hear about the constitutional law thing. I think, I think the big thing that is missed, especially, you were kind of talking about an older generation, but maybe especially there, I don't know. But um, cancel culture is not saying this person should go to jail and be punished by our government for what they're saying. Cancel culture is saying 
there are social consequences for the words and the actions that you have had. And some of those are, we don't want you to have a voice anymore in, on this television channel, in the show, in this creative field. Um, the other thing I'll say, to maybe tee you up a little bit, <laughs> is, is that um, I think part of the problem with this, is, especially now, is the way that um, corporations have become so dominant in our culture and the way that the way our culture is formed. Because um, I no longer pay an artist directly for their services. I subscribe to Comcast, which then pays uh, a channel, or, or a channel pays them, or I don't know how that works. Uh, and then the channel pays a person to be on their channel, or maybe it, maybe they just pay a studio for the person who's on the show that the studio's pouring. So there's like six or seven degrees from me to the artist, as opposed to like a, like a stand-up show that I, I'm like, okay, this person, I know I'm going to see this person this night, and I can choose whether or not I want to see them. But when you're talking about these kind of big entertainment ent entities, um, maybe it is important that I, as just like some person in the world is like I don't I don't want I don't want Louis CK who I loved right I'll use him as an example I loved him but I I'm done with him and I don't want to see him and I don't and I don't want it to I don't want him to show up on something that I'm watching for fun and him just appear like I want everyone to know I will turn off the TV I will not give that money to them I will not and that's what cancel culture is about it's about it's kind of about Sticking to some principles that you have, so that would be yes. Yeah. I mean, I've got some takes. <laughs> so, so I love Micah's opening because I really think it's important. The generational shift, like it is, it is nuts. Uh, Gutenberg, fourteen yeah. hundreds. Yeah. People get books, and it changed the world. Yeah. Like I don't think we we just don't have a good. We don't have a really good lens for, like, what was it like to be alive in the Dark Ages? And it's all of a sudden, like, Italy and France, and everything blows up. And the reason is the printing press. Well, we took the printing press and, like, put an H-bomb on it. And was like, now everybody has the authority, the ability, and, like, my words are equal to that of whoever. You can, like, go viral. Like, whatever that means. Okay. So the context for information is really important. Um... So in, uh, in terms of like free speech and the cancel culture, when I think about free speech, I think about people can say what they want. I want people to say what they want because I want to know the people I don't want to hear about. Or I want to know, I, I want, so like, can I say that with this caveat? I want it to be un-anonymized. If Brian says a thing, I want to know it's Brian. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know that it's comic writer 149 Nashville. I want to know that it's Brian who's saying it because... It allows me the chance to go, huh, I think I like this person's opinions or don't, I won't, but if I, if I don't know who they are, it makes it really difficult. So that's, I'm all for like the, like the max free speech possible as long as I can know who you are. Mm. Um, I think words have, we, I did a uh, thing on bad language on this, like, in this panel where I was like, people should be able to say what they want to say. You're not free of the consequences. You shouldn't expect that you're free of consequences. If you call someone a rapist and they aren't one, you should be willing to accept the consequences for saying a thing that isn't true. 
in the exact same breath. I think the cancel culture is a load. It is trash. Because canceling people for things that they are doing or have done is putting an enormous burden on everybody else. Anything else that you have loved. I love Louis C.K. I think he's a horrible, hurt, like a horrible person. Like as a person, he's a trash human being. He is funny. He has some really good thoughts. Um, most recently, the most recent cancel slash uncancel is one Johnny Depp. Oh, he beat his wife. Oh, he blah, 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 blah. Johnny Depp is canceled. And then the court records come out, and his ex-wife is a psychopath. <laughs> and she was doing all this stuff to herself, and everybody's now uncanceling him. Well, okay, so if somebody is ever canceled, can they ever really be uncanceled? And, like, Michael Jackson. If you've watched Leaving Neverland, which was... I mean, I guess I don't recommend it because it's graphic and it's troubling as a parent. Like, it's troubling as a human, but I'm a father. It's now more troubling. Does, do his actions as a human completely negate what he did for music and for entertainment and for pop music? I, like, there's a conversation to be had there, not on this panel, but there's a conversation to be had about is Kevin Spacey's turn and the usual suspects negated by the fact that he's kind of a skis. And I don't know that we are, so I don't know that we are, where at a point in our lives we haven't adapted, we haven't evolved enough to separate people from their sins, their negative things. The governor of Virginia dressed up in blackface or in the KKK outfit 30 years ago and is still the governor of Virginia. The lieutenant governor of Virginia like legitimately maybe sexually abused someone or assaulted them. And he's still in that position. So I, I have my doubts about cancel culture when there's a lot of hypocrisy that's bound up in cancel culture. So, it's good. Yeah. Okay, time out. I have rules to how we interact in this, in this setting here. So first thing is, um, I need no grandstanding, I need no long comments. I need short comments so we can get through a lot of comments. And so keep your comments short or Patrick, will cut you off. And it's out of love, but I will cut you off. We'll cancel you. I'll cancel the rest of your comedy captain. So, um, ask what you want, share with thoughts that you have, perspectives that you have, but let's uh, let's do that, and then we'll hear, we'll hear a couple first off, and then we'll have the panel response, and then we'll kind of go back and forth. Got it? Okay. I mean, just going off of what you said about um, the whole cancel culture, like, does that you know absolve them of being you know being guilty of what they did? It's the if I hear about some person that I thought was a really really good person, but it turns out he's a pedophile. Where do we go with that? Because that's pretty usually described as being like one of the most depraved acts that can be you know committed, and it's like it honestly changes your perspective to the point that okay, that person is a terrible human being and I don't ever want to hear their anything to do with them ever again because they are dead to me, basically. And it's... Yes, there are some things that can be, you know, ignored or forgiven because times change, but there are things that are... that pretty much stay as being pretty disgusting 
you know, decades later. Any other comment before we come back? Or thought? Question? Yeah, I have a thought on that. Yeah. So, I've been, I've, this is a take I think I've run by you at least one time. So, in this culture, we love redemption. Like, we love redemption so hard. This morning, in a little town in Georgia, Tiger Woods is competing for this crazy potential comeback. The guy cheated on his wife, he slept around, he's had like all these different things. I th- uh, I, I, one of my favorite stories of all time, I applied to Virginia Tech college because Michael Vick went there. The guy dog fought. <laughs> he did all this crazy stuff and he went to jail. He It cost him everything but the thing that makes him different is that he went to jail. He apologized. He served his... He got punished. He came out on the other side. I think when people get punished we tend to view them with a different... I don't know why but we do. Um, it's like I had this fight with my parents at dinner the reason a lot of people don't like some folks is that they've gotten away with things. So, like, I like to... The president is not my dude, but he's a guy that, like, represents my party, unfortunately. He's done a lot of stuff that people would call depraved or whatever, but he's never had to, like, account for it. It's one of the reasons that people don't like him, is that he seems to just, like, get away with things time after time. And so you reference, like, punishment. I think like there's a justice conversation around. So Michael Jackson is dead. How do? How, where is there? Is there justice? There's probably not. It's really unfortunate. For Kevin Spacey's accusers, there might be some justice out there. I don't know. It's probably been too long. But like I look at Anthony Weiner, the guy like did time in prison. He's getting out, but he's done time. I don't have to like him, but I do think it's important to recognize that. He did something wrong. He was like punished for it by what the city or state felt like he should be punished. He should be allowed to go in and live his life without people canceling everything he says for forever. Just because he did, was like a real creep doesn't mean his, his beliefs about school choice are somehow untenable or whatever. So I think punishment and like the, 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 there's a dichotomy between like when people do a thing that the general public has a problem with if they are punished, we feel very, very differently towards them. Just as a one last thing, just to tie this off, is, but then going back to, you know, I think that pedophiles is the big thing that I'm trying to, you know, discuss here. What about that whole thing that they say that, you know, pedophiles cannot be, you know, rehabilitated, they will reoffend, the chances of it is extremely high. I think that I don't, we are not qualified to answer that, but what I will say is um, more than like, well, more than likely, I am, I, I'll say me, if someone is found guilty of, pedof- of performing acts as a pedophile, etc., I'm probably not going to watch their sitcom. Right, I am not going to continue to want them in my cultural appetite. I, I think a lot of people would feel that way. And so, now, does that mean that they can't go on to live if they, you know, if they're found guilty, they serve the time and they go on to live a life and, and find, you know, peace, whatnot? That's fine. But that doesn't mean I want, I, I may never want them 
Sure. On my, like, there's only so many people that I give my entertainment appetite to, right? Mm -hmm. And that no one is entitled to it. No one is entitled to my eyes. No one is entitled to my ears, right? However you feel about Anthony Weiner, like, he's not entitled to being a national figure, right? right. So it's like, so, so I think, um, and you know, I'm going, I'm getting married in December, and I'm thinking through, like, what do I tell the DJ to play and not play? And Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson at a wedding? Come on! But am I going to am I going to play him? Even more importantly, R. Kelly remixed to Ignition. Very important song in my life. But it's a situation right now and has been for about 20 years. <laughs> um, and and it's coming to a head. And I I I think at, so. I know R. Kelly's not going to be played at my wedding. But Michael Jackson, that's a hard that's a hard call. I have to be honest you're gonna, about you're that. You're not going to play Chris Brown's Forever? Like, I know, that's another, that. well, I, I don't feel, <laughs> we can talk about, that. this is the talk about, right? The levels of cancel culture, right? But is let's, like, let's take it a step further real quickly. Yeah. So because Brian chooses to play Billie Jean at his reception, let's say you do. Yeah. If somebody there is offended, I like, I got no, I got no empathy, sympathy. I got none. It's his night. If he wants to play Michael Jackson, he can play Michael Jackson. You don't have to dance. Right. But it's, it is just because Brian has said, Brian and Kelly sit down and they're like, okay, we gotta like, we gotta have a, a, like a playlist that is like, all, like it's gotta be all, it's gotta like check all these boxes. And then they just miss something. A Dave Matthews song gets played, but we both love Dave Matthews and their violinist is kind of a skis bag apparently. And if somebody gets offended by that, like what? How far do we take it until it's like we can't listen to Mozart because he might have done something bad? Like, there's just a point at which when you try to when you try to involve the public life and the private life, mm -hmm. it just gets really uncomfortable. So, okay. but yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, let's go back here. Yeah, let's right, keep going. <laughs> so the, I think more to me at least the more interesting question is like the levels below that, right? Like, I don't know, pedophilia is like pretty intense and cut dry. But like when it gets when it gets like to, um, like, I, I work with high schoolers, and so we beg them constantly not to put dumb stuff on Twitter. Like, just please talk to them all the time. And um, You were a teenager. I was. Yeah. And I'm so thankful I didn't have Twitter. Right, but, like, I'm how so easy is it to tell a 17-year-old kid, like, right. don't use the F word, don't use the N word, don't, even don't. about your black friends on right. Twitter. Don't do it. So, so, so the question is, like, yeah. I, I, like, I'm thinking about a couple of brave pictures that I adore, who, like, one in particular was about to have a, um, like, he was in the middle of a, a, a no-hitter, and the op opposing team fans, like, went through his Twitter from, like, years back and found some dumb stuff that he did. And the question is, I guess, like, is a lot of different questions, but, like, how do you deal with someone who has done something foolish on social media, or just in general, when they were younger in particular, and connect that to who they are now, and then, but... The question is also not just about like I'm offended by this, but it also comes out to economics, right? Like I don't want to give my money towards this dude. I don't want to like buy his stuff. Or, I don't know. But the question's varied. But like, what, at what point do you say, yes, I, I, it's okay for me to like feel okay about talking to this guy because he was 16, or there's certain things like, bro, I just can't be a part of what you're doing because of what you said. Like, I, mm -hmm. it's so arbitrary. It's just hard to keep, to keep up with. Okay. Keep that in the, keep that in the mix. 
Not a certain yet. And I think my uh, question will kind of pair well with that one, yeah. and that we're like talking about a different level of cancel culture. These rules of engagement, kind of when we're talking about an action that somebody's done, um, that's pretty clear. Uh, I think we it's complicated then, and it gets more complicated in situations where we're trying to excavate some sort of internal sin of ideology. And so I'm seeing that a lot uh, recently to ignore all the actions of the president, but in the words he says when you're trying to get at something he believes that is wrong. Or recently with Ilhan Omar, where she makes a statement and we're trying to say, oh, this statement is indicative of some like anti-Semitism or interior belief, and therefore, obviously, the right is trying to cancel politicians, it becomes a whole new level of, now we're talking about these statements that you're making and trying to cancel you, and the left's trying to cancel this, the right's trying to cancel that. I wonder how that complicates it in a similar way to saying, looking really deep back into your past, trying to look deep into your like heart of your words. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's, it's really um, increasingly important that we do realize that words really matter. And ideas really matter, um, and they matter in a way that's much more profound than it used to be. Because after the printing press, like all of a sudden, words can topple uh, churches, empires, all this. Right um, now, after the internet, words can can do. Uh, we haven't even seen the amount of destructiveness that words can unleash in the world, and probably will. So. We are, I think, rightfully understanding that um, any random thing that I say could go viral and create some kind of huge catastrophe. Um, and uh, you know, the, the Bible talks about like you know every idle word will be will be judged. We're entering into the era where that is the case. And I think um, so. I think our our sense of of uh, like scale is actually right. The problem is that we don't we don't know how to, to deal with it. We don't know how to atone for things. We have no way to atone for the sins of our of our youth, right? We, um, my uh, uh, friend of mine who I won't name was going through some stuff recently and started pulling out Confederate flags of his stuff that he had when he was a kid. And he was horrified. He was like, "What was I thinking?" You know, and um, he's so like that's so antithetical to who he is now. But he. Um, this was something he was collecting as a as a you know young person, and he I don't think he even had the context for thinking about, about this, and so how yeah now we do this all, all publicly how do we atone for that we have no way to atone for it because we it's not a legal violation uh, we're not we don't have a punishment we don't have a way to truly repent um, if we if we make an apology. What does that really count for? We haven't figured out a way to actually go through a process of, of atoning for our past sins. And I think that's really the thing. We're all getting away with something. We don't know how to do something better. I, I think, I mean, yeah, I, I think back on, like, I leaned over West and I was like, or how many swastikas are drawn in, like, boys' bathrooms in high school? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, maybe some of them really love Hitler, but like I think <laughs> most most like twelve year old boys are just like I know this is wrong. Yeah. Right. How many twelve year old boys are just doing things because they know it's wrong? Yeah. You know what I mean. And so, 
I think there's one. I think that's like a big thing. Um, is so so now I know, like I don't I don't remember doing that. But if you said when I was twelve I did it, I would be like, I, that probably tracks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like who knows, right? Like I was a twelve year old white yeah. kid in Nashville. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, but now I know I'm not drawing swastikas on nothing. You know, I know that, and I also, like, speak against this type of thing, and I, and I really, you know, so I think, I think you're right, there are no, like, there are no, like, justice, like, lawful, like, ways to redemption for some of this stuff, but I do think there are ways to live and ways to act, ways to even just to listen to people now, you know, I think about, uh, uh, we're a bunch of white dudes, are all matching right now, so, like, it's, it is what it is, but, you know, like, uh, <laughs> but I think about like you know the Me Too movement did for me. I went oh wow like some of the ways I've treated women in the past have been like I would never do that again. And you you look back at it and you say well man that wasn't that bad for most of it. But it's like now you would say how dare you do that right? right. And so um, I say it to myself. And so I move forward atoning for that by living differently. And I think that's what. If, if the gospel is anything, right, it is, it is go, you know, go and live differently now. That you, have, you know, and, and I know that we're not talking about just Christian culture, but I do think that that is what we're talking about is, like, how do you, not just, like, so, so again, I just bring up, like, these stand-up comedians. There are some stand-up comedians that have apologized and have begun talking about some of the things they've done or some of the ways they've been called out and are talking about it. there's other comedians that are just like moving forward, not talking about it at all, just doing the same thing they were doing before, uh, not necessarily doing those actions that they were called out for, but just in terms of their persona, in terms of all that stuff. And so for those people, I'm like, yeah, I'm done with them. But for the people that, that do like move forward and kind of have learned from their mistakes, like I think, and that's the part of course that, that absolutely that we're not, the nuances of Twitter are done, you know what I mean? And so you're not catching those in a lot of the public conversation. But I think that that is like, how do, how do like, like hopefully, though Johnny Depp, you know, has been kind of like, whatever, I don't know the word. Yeah, uncanceled. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, which thankfully, because like, we, we gotta know, keep got keep seeing it. those fantastic Beast movies. I need a pie. Uh, but, <laughs> but, like, but hopefully he did learn from this. Like, whatever it was that he learned, maybe he learned you know, diff different types of people to be around, maybe you learn how to, but you know, like hopefully he's learning from this and growing and changing. And I think a lot of people, if you watch that R. Kelly interview, that man is not growing and changing, that man is sticking with his guns. Um, and I think, I think we can safely say, like, at least at this point, now in 10 years, will he have changed? We don't know. But that's, that, you know, it's, it's an ongoing conversation. It's just like among your friends, just like among your family, like, what does it look like to like deal with people who are trash sometimes? You know. Yeah, I think so. I think to to Josh's statement and to yours, because I think those are those are they pair well. So we are like living in a continuum, like we are not stuck in neutral. We're hopefully moving forward. So to a for a fifteen year old kid who doesn't who like can't see past tomorrow, it is so hard. It's something I mean like. <clears throat> if I had known what I know today at 18, 
my life would probably look very different. I'm not talking about, I'm just saying like, man, I really wish I'd never said that thing that I said to my mom because it changed the way she saw me for forever. I hate being in this house. Oh man, like that, I said it because I was mad at her, but it like, it cut her to her core because she thought I hated her. Like, that's a simple thing. You tweet a thing at 16, 17, uh, who was the most recent Heisman winner? Was it Kyler Murray? Like the week of the Heisman thing, they're going back into tweets and he's, and I, my thing is like context. He's a kid. He's a child. He doesn't know what his words mean. So, I, I mean, I, if I were at high school, anything, doing anything with kids, like just get off that stuff. Get off Instagram, get off Twitter, probably get off Facebook, get off Snapchat. Uh, I don't know what the cool ones are today. But like, don't do any of that. What's it, what's, okay, WhatsApp. What's the one where it's like 10 second videos? TikTok. TikTok, like just get off all that stuff. It doesn't have any value. And like, becoming your own brand is useless at 17, unless you're Kylie Jenner, I guess. So, or really. Uh, to the, to the extent that words matter, to the extent that words matter, I really, so like, I am on the opposite side of what you said. I want to not cancel Ilhan Omar. I want to not cancel her. I want her to say what she thinks. And if her words, if it's, if it's a language problem, if she doesn't understand what she's saying, let's coach her, let's teach her. I don't think it's a language problem with her. But I do think with some people, they don't understand what they're saying. You and I have talked about the Confederate flag stuff, where like, uh, there was a really, really great podcast a few years ago, I think it was This American Life, where a young black Floyd talks about wanting a General Lee. It's got the Confederate flag on top. He doesn't understand, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the information to understand what that represents as a seven-year-old kid. And no adult is going to be able to explain that to a seven-year-old kid. Like, here's why you can't have the General Lee, because it represents systemic racism. He doesn't understand it's our job as adults to help bring people along as best we can, to offer context. So for a 16-year-old kid who tweeted about, uh, you know, just trying to get at these bitches or something like that, like, man, that is going to come back to hurt you. You need to delete it and change the way you talk about women. It's hard. It is so hard. And without the context of get to be 32, and watch people's careers be destroyed by the things they said that they probably didn't mean or they didn't know what they were saying. Like, those, wor those words, man. That's why I'm just out on the canceling because people can come back. There's like, there's some redemption out there. If people are apologetic, you can, you can be redeemed. It's just really hard if there's a whole lot of it. Like, the more there is, the more, the more R. Kelly stories, it's just harder to come back. So... Okay, I think we need to wrap. Anybody have any other thoughts before we, before we wrap this thing? Okay, um, let's thank our panel. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. So, we could often talk like, um, hours and hours on this, but we can't right now. The things I'll leave you with um, to think about, which has been said, is, well, as Jesus people, what do we do with words like forgiveness and reconciliation. If we're called to be ministers of reconciliation, if we're called to be people who forgive, what does that look like in this kind of a culture? I don't necessarily want to, I'm not going to give you an answer to that. I just want you to think about that. And as you are free speeching, canceling or not canceling, 
how does that find itself in that particular lens? I think that's an important thing to think about, especially with all this going on. Okay, that's it. We'll uh, be back here next week. Listen to the Patrick Podcast. Oh, listen to the Patrick Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> See you all. Have a good one.